Bienvenidos al podcast Canones a la Carrera, episodio 23. Un podcast en el que hablamos... Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Roger, Jonathan. What? English, please. Oh, wait, what? I was talking in Spanish? Yeah. Shoot. Wow, your Spanish just improved so much <laughs> from your Mexican immersion experience. I just came back so fluent. Okay, uh, well, let me, let me try again then. We'll start that over. <sighs> Welcome to the podcast, Cannons on the Run, episode 23, a podcast where we talk about all things formation at St. Norbert Abbey. I'm Frater Jonathan. And I'm Frater Jordan. And we're coming back to you after busy, busy summers. Yeah. <laughs> I feel kind of rusty with podcast <laughs> recording. It's been a, a good month and a half. Yeah. Since since we recorded last? I think so, yeah. We recorded all the ones you've heard recently all before we went on our various trips. Yeah. So we'll update you. I just got back within this past week, in the last few days, I got back from my immersion experience for five weeks in Cuernavaca, Mexico. And I went down there to study at a language school to study Spanish, to be there for a language and cultural immersion experience. Yeah. It was a really wonderful time. If I, I mean, there's so many stories, but if I had to say... Some of my favorite experiences, my host mom that I stayed with, Gloria was her name, she hosted me, so that was where I stayed so I could, you know, experience local eating, um, local culture, just talk to her about daily things in the city. Um, she was wonderful, so I was really thankful for that, and that really helps you feel like you're living there when you're staying at a home, not like at a hotel or a guest house. So I really liked that, and I also really enjoyed the school I was at. There were other students there learning Spanish as well. Almost all the students were from the U.S. that were there. There were a few from other countries, but primarily from the U.S. Um, and all the teachers are all local. They're from Mexico, and they're wonderful teachers. Seminawak, in case you're wondering the name of the school I went to, listeners. It's um, down in Cuernavaca. <laughs> there, are many, there are many language schools there. And then I also really enjoyed helping out with Cuernavaca Children's Mission that a Franciscan sister, Sister Maggie, started down there. Find them on Facebook. Look up Cuernavaca Children's Mission, um, and you'll find Sister Maggie and the group, hopefully. Um, they do a wonderful job, and the summer is kind of a downtime for them because students are not at school, so they're maybe on vacation with family, whatever. So there weren't as many students as they usually have during their different programs, but they're really gracious and let me come in and volunteer and just help. So that was really fun. I hope to go back someday. It was a really cool city. I really enjoyed my time. I'm really thankful. It was a really blessed time there. Cool. Yeah. How about you? I got back and you were gone because you were on a trip and you've had a few trips of your own since I've been gone as well. Yeah. Right? So, so yeah, all summer, like in June, I had a class down in Chicago, a summer class. In July then, I also took a week-long trip with um, a parish I help at in Chicago, Old St. Pat's, working with their teens. Uh, we took 24 teenagers from Chicago to West Virginia. We were working with Habitat for Humanity. And because we had such a large group, we broke out into three sites. And ironically, the site that I was assigned to was building a foundation for a house. So <laughs> pouring and forming concrete footings and walls, uh, which ironically, I did you know, middle school, high school, and college as my family owned a concrete construction company. So I'm like, oh, how pleasant I got assigned to this site. Of, I have some familiarity with, with this type of work. And Heck so yeah. it was really, really fun to work with the teens, mm -hmm. showing them kind of like uh, some skills of a trade. And those students only know you from 
youth group events or things at the church in Chicago, right? Right. So what was that like for them when they found out that you had this, like, probably to them it was a secret life. Like, Frater Jordan, what? You know these things? We thought you were just in a habit at a church all day. Right. Right? Was there some of that? Oh, yeah. There there was a lot of feedback of (laughs) them saying, I can't believe Jordan's going to be a priest. (laughs) He's so cool. And I'm like... (laughs) I'm like, yes, I, I faked them out. They think I'm cool. <laughs> yes. <No>. <laughs> Don't say anything. Just keep working. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I uh, took some vacation time. Uh, so the month of August here, my dad and I, we uh, headed out west on motorcycles. So went to South Dakota <laughs> and Wyoming. Got a real nice tan right now, I think. Seriously, I'm... you tanned way more than I did when I was in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've shared some of our experiences with one another, what we've gotten to do this summer. You know, I find for me so much of what I love and what I remember is attached to the people that I'm meeting along the way. You know, I got on the Mm -hmm. plane to head back to the U.S. and I was praying and I realized as I was praying and thinking of names, people I said I would, you know, keep in my prayers as I said bye to people in Mexico. You know, I was saying names and I realized like, whoa, like there are a lot of names coming out here. And so you realize just how many people you've met. I think that's just one of the biggest blessings of having any kind of an opportunity to travel, whether it's you know, an hour out of where you live or to a different country like we've done or, you know, to places far away. It's just an opportunity to see another world of people, to get outside of your own immediate bubble of people that you see every day and and to have this perspective, I guess, a new perspective on your own life. And so uh, that's what we want to share with you today, listeners, is that we found these really strong experiences just in interacting with the people that we got to see and the new people that we got to meet in these places that we went. So I'll start with some little stories, if I may. Um, When I was in Cuernavaca, I mentioned before, after like the first two weeks was when things started to change and I felt like, you know, I was more living there. So that was when I felt like I could start to meet people. When I was helping out with this children's mission, it was right across from the cathedral grounds. And so often before or after, I'd walk over into the cathedral area and go to one of the chapels and pray. And there was a gentleman who would sit at the top of one of the three stairs, three or four stairs that went into the cathedral. Mm -hmm. And he wore a sign that was in Spanish, but more or less it said, Hi, my name's Nabor. I can't see you. God bless you. Have a nice day. And he had a sombrero in his uh, lap that he held so people could put money in it. And he just sat there. He wasn't saying anything. He wasn't looking. He wasn't asking or begging from anyone. He just sat there in the sun. And every once in a while, I'd see him there. And it seemed evident he was just sitting there for most of the day. And so I'd walk by and, I, you know, I'd say a little prayer internally for him. And I, you know, hoped that things would be well for him. My fifth week, so last week that I'm there, I had gone to Mass at one of the chapels by the cathedral there, at daily Mass. And as I was walking by, Navarro was standing. He'd always been sitting before and For whatever reason, the Holy Spirit moved in me, and I just thought, you know what? I should just walk up and just say hi to him. He has a sign that has his name. Clearly, he wants to chat or something to say hello, just interaction maybe. So I put a few coins in his hat, and I walked up to him, and I touched his hand, and I said, Hi, Nabor, my name is Jonathan. And the first thing out of his mouth, he turned toward me, and he says, What a miracle. And it just floored me, because this man who can't see, who's just waiting all day, from my perspective, has every reason to be a little bit disillusioned about the world because people are constantly walking by him and he's blind and just in need of help and really not getting much interaction, responds to me with this strong feeling of just love and care immediately. And it just blew me away. And so we chatted for a little bit longer and it was a wonderful conversation. And God has a wonderful sense of humor because after talking with him, 
I just laughed. His Spanish was clear. It was at a decent pace. He was really easy to talk with. So yeah. He was a perfect person for me to talk to and practice Spanish. And he was just super loving and patient. Asked me where I'm from. I'm from the United he didn't States. didn't mumble like a typical teenager. Right, right. Where I was struggling in some of the conversations with people throughout the day. Right. So it was just, I laughed. I'm like, why didn't I talk to him so much sooner? He was a great man to talk with. And he told me he had a friend in the United States. So we were bonding about that for a little bit. And then um, I had a few more days. So I told him I'd be coming back downtown another day before I left. I, you know, I said, will you, will you be here? And he said, yeah. So a couple of days later, I came downtown and I found him. So I walked up again and said, hey. And right away, he's just in a great mood, says hi to me. We have a nice conversation. Then he asks me, do you know what Nabor is in English? And I thought he was curious. Like, you know, how would you say my name in the United States? Nabor is spelled N-A-B-O-R. And I thought, well... That's a pretty specific name. Like I don't Nabor, I don't think that there's an English equivalent. I think it's just gonna be Nabor in the United States as well. And he looks at me and he just smiles and he says, Neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> and I just started laughing. I was like, Oh my gosh, you weren't asking for it. That's great. He was having a little joke. He's like, if you pronounce my name in English, it's neighbor. Yeah. And so as I'm walking back to my home there, it dawned on me two big things. One, here I was thinking I was helping Nabor that first time I approached him, when really it was a complete gift from God through Nabor to me. I walk up to him and think I'm going to say hi, you know, and just interact with him a little bit. And he responds with just complete love and acceptance of me when I say hi to him. And it just, it floored me to get that kind of a feeling from someone who just doesn't ask any questions, just loves the other. Right. And on top of that, as if the sign wasn't clear enough as it were... <laughs> God gives me a man whose name is, in quote, in English, neighbor. <laughs> We're called to love our neighbor. Well, God, what does my neighbor look like? Oh, Frater Jonathan, really? You're not getting it? Well, here, let me put neighbor <laughs> right in front of you. This is who your neighbor is. This is who you are called to love. Everyone, your neighbor, are the people that you encounter in every day. I just well, love and, that. And you seen this guy the whole time you were there and it wasn't until the last week that it was that I finally interacted with him right, right? and that this message then came shining through because why because I just started a small conversation I said hi yeah. to him he was such a nice guy yeah and then it was interesting I couldn't find him on the last day before I left I went downtown he was usually there and for whatever reason he wasn't that day so there's kind of a little beautiful thought in me too of you know, like, oh, maybe just Nabor was there just for that reason. He had a message to deliver to me, and now he's yeah. off doing that for someone else, probably. It was really a blessing. That's really always, blessing. like, where did you encounter God today? It's, mm -hmm. it's in those small interactions that you encounter God, I think. Right. Mother Teresa talks about that, right? Yeah, she, well, she has a quote that I recently heard that says, I want you to be concerned about your next-door neighbor. Do you know your next-door neighbor? Perfect example. I didn't, but thankfully... The Holy Spirit prompted me enough times over the course of five yeah. weeks to finally say something to get to know my neighbor. Um, well, and just imagine if you didn't, because you said the next day, mm -hmm. Yeah, right? he wasn't and there. It's right? like, would have never had this dialogue. Mm -hmm. Right. That was a life-changing moment for me. Yeah. And it turns out my neighbor, <laughs> neighbor, is a really great guy. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of reflecting upon, uh, well, two of my summer experiences, I think, the biblical foundations of the writings of Pope Francis, we talked about the Good Samaritan. Mm -hmm. So in Luke's gospel, you have a scholar of the law asking Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law and how do you read it? And the scholar of the law, the scribe replied, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength. 
and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus responds, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. But then, as if that isn't enough, Mm -hmm. Jesus then rolls into the parable of the Good Samaritan. So from Luke, Luke 10, it says, But because he wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, the scribe that is, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They stripped and beat him and went off leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, but when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to the place, and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. Then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to an inn, and cared for him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the instruction, Take care of him. If you spend more than what I have given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Jesus then says, Which of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the robber's victim? The scribe answered, The one who treated him with mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Mm. You know, just hearing your story about neighbor. Mm -hmm. Who is my neighbor? So I took a summer class a couple years ago at the University of Notre Dame, and the visiting professor said, Who is my neighbor? Well, the Samaritan is not the Israelite's neighbor. Samaritans did not go into the Babylonian exile, and so they intermingled with other cultures and tribes, married into other tribes. And so from an Israelite perspective, the pure Jewish perspective, those who went into Babylonian exile and then returned, Samaritans were not pure-blooded Israelites. So they were not seen as a neighbor, Mm -hmm. per se. But Jesus says, who acted like the neighbor, Mm -hmm. right? Who's the neighbor to the Israelite who fell victim in this case? The person you least expect, the Samaritan. Mm -hmm. What's one of the best interactions you had in Mexico? The person you least expect. And, And so even just this trip to West Virginia, some of the learning that occurred for me and also for the teens that went there, a lot of teens grew up in Chicago, so they don't have much rural experience. Similarly... I grew up in rural Wisconsin, and so moving to Chicago was like an eye-opening event for me. We have presumptions of the other, right? And there's stereotypes, you know. And to flip that, too, there was gunshots in the distance in West Virginia at our work site. Mm -hmm. And just from my background of rural America, people are practice shooting or sighting in a rifle or something like that. And one of the people from West Virginia said to a couple of the teenagers from Chicago, oh, you must hear that all the time. And that was shocking to them because it was the first time they were outside of an environment of Chicago and were puzzled in, in thinking, wow, this is what other people think of our city. So I think coming together for these interactions from different cultures or different regions, you come to recognize the similarities and differences. You come to understand what we have in common, and you find that the commonality is greater than the differences, Mm -hmm. right? And especially right now in society, it seems that the tensions, the divisions grow greater and greater and greater, that there's greater strife between people 
that we don't come together for this common experience, this commonality. And so being able for me to come from a rural area in Wisconsin and go to Chicago provides insight into, well, these are people's experiences in Chicago, and this is perhaps why they believe and think the way that they do. Mm -hmm. Or going to West Virginia and seeing you know, coal mines, like industry in the early 20th century, allowed West Virginia to flourish and prosper. And now you see it as a depressed area because coal isn't as important. And you come to understand, well, who are they going to support? Well, it's folks who support the manufacturing that area has to offer. Mm -hmm. And so in entering into another person's life, into their world, you come to understand their beliefs, values, traditions, and thoughts, right? So like you take Chicago and West Virginia, hundreds of miles apart. Mm -hmm. Well, who is my neighbor? Well, from this trip experience, it's, mm -hmm. well, these people are my neighbor, mm -hmm. even though geographically we're a great distance apart. What we shared in this service and dialogue, we recognize that the net is cast a little wider of who is my neighbor, who am I called by God to love, mm -hmm. show compassion and mercy for, and you know, to, to work together in building up the kingdom. Well, it's a lot wider than perhaps at the beginning of the trip mm -hmm. what we thought it was. Mm. Cool. So a very successful trip, really opening up the minds of those teenagers on that trip to see yeah. in a new way who their neighbor is. Another quote from St. Mother Teresa that talks about loving your neighbor. She says, My prayer for you is that you may grow in the likeness of Christ, being real carriers of God's love, and that you really bring his presence first into your own family, then to the next door neighbor, the street we live in, the town we live in, the country we live in, then only in the whole world, the living example of God's presence. It's a wonderful question to ask, you know, how am I loving the other? How am I loving my neighbor? And I appreciate that St. Mother Teresa talks about start with your own family. It's a way to practice that. Then your next door neighbor, literally. And then these things that we're talking about when you're traveling, those are chances to start finding your neighbor in other places as well. Yeah, the first teachers of faith, the first teachers of love, start in the home. Mm -hmm. I think even in our life as Norbertines, one of our converts says, charity begins at home. So mm. how can we go out and minister to people if we are unable to minister to one another as brothers mm -hmm. in the community? Yeah. Well, we are going on a silent retreat, um, separate but to the same place. We're headed to St. John's Abbey in Collegeville, Minnesota, before we both profess vows in our own way, simple vows for me. Silent vows. So keep us in your prayers. Actually, by the time you hear this, we'll be at the end of our retreat. But rest assured that we have been praying for you, our listeners, and we always appreciate the prayers that you were lifting us up in, and we look forward to... Continuing to share the, the more big events that will be coming up in our lives as they unfold after our retreat here and things get underway with vows and beginning our studies in the fall. Yeah. So we got a pack here. Yeah. Quick, and get going. Got a scoot. If you want to find out more about the podcast, go to www.norbertines.org. Click on the podcast tab, or you can click directly on contact the podcast team to let us know some of your thoughts, some things you love, or other things you want to hear more about. You can also find us on iTunes. Make sure to subscribe and leave a rating and review. 
Let us keep one another in prayer that we may continue to grow with an open mind to letting God's love shine through us to be the love of Jesus Christ, guided by the Holy Spirit, to love our neighbor here in the world. Holy Fathers, St. Norbert and St. Augustine, pray pray for for us. us.